This is Fam Like a Ghost, and this is our continuing series of song deconstructions. We're going to talk about the song Consummate Creep. Uh, this is a song that's in the style of a song I wrote a co- like a year ago called When, when a Miss Electric Comes to Town. And the song When a Miss Electric Comes to Town was kind of a guitar rocker uh, that had a kind of real live feel. It was recorded uh, using the guitar, rolling guitar through the Juno GI. And, uh, you know, I have a, a strong love for rock and punk. And so this song has a very um, well, punk aesthetic, a lot like a Huskadu or heavy replacement. Paul Westerberg uh, type recording or Ball Mode, Grant Hart type of recording. And I've always tried to uh, do my electronic music with a punk aesthetic. And so, you know, the punk aesthetic is to, you know, not overly produce something, kind of play it live, have it kind of heavy guitar focused uh, with bass and drum. What I do that's a little different is I'll throw a little electronic analog goodness through Eurorax and atmospheric synthesis, um, through my uh, style of synthesizer creation, where I'll create tones on analog synths like the synths like the Moog Mother 32 and the Arteria um, Micro Mini Boot 2S and Eurorack modules, and use that as kind of like a sonic palette. In this song, that sonic palette is very low in the mix. Uh, what's higher in the mix is the guitar, the drums, and the bass. The bass is actually done using the analog um, part of a JDXI, which I find has really good bass tones. And I run them through effects, um, through the MX-1, and also through the, the Zoom R24. And then I have the Josephine Electric Vocal actually going through a VTO3. And I find the VTO3 um, is, is, is working really well for me. I, I used to use just the JDXI um, Soprano vocoder, which I still like. and has uh, a quality to my Josephine character's voice that's um, still, you know, on a lot of recordings, a lot of family like the ghost recordings. Josephine's first appearance is using the JDXI Soprano vocoder with a vocoder in Soprano mode. And I find, you know, that is where I originally found my Josephine voice. Uh, the VTO3 gives me a lot of different ways to enhance that voice with, a, with, a, with a, you know, a, a slider-based pitch control and slider-based format control, uh, a lot of different effect uh, effects um, in terms of being able to do it like a radio sound, uh, like a... Like a basically a loudspeaker type of effect and different levels of reverberation. Um, it's, it's very, it's a very good machine. I'd like to see them expand its capabilities. Uh, the VTO3 would have been cool to actually integrate um, what's in the Voicoder uh, module uh, for the boutique. So if it was a combination, well, maybe three things. If it had everything that's in the JDXI Voicoder plus what was released in the boutique module, uh, the VPO3, and then, you know, the VTO3. If all those three things would make a total vocal synth, that would be very interesting. And if it had, um, you know, analog filter capabilities 
and envelope processing, kind of like if you took it into a System 500 and then I had those capabilities, that'd be a really cool machine. I think it'd be really cool. Uh, I don't know if Roland would take that on. Kind of mentioning today, Roland introduced, uh, uh, reintroduced the Accent, which had been out of production for a long time. A lot of keyboards love that synth. It's one, probably the better um, keytars ever made. The only other one I think is really cool is the Moog keytar, which I think is still like a really awesome machine. Very hard to get. Um, but the Roland original Axe was one of the better keytars out there. And it's been missing from the market for a long time. And I would love to see how it integrates. I am going to be getting a conference call on uh, Bluetooth MIDI and how you can actually reintroduce that um, or introduce that into your system. Because I'm wondering how could I bring in um, MIDI information from like an Arturia Mini Brute or or or, or like um, an MX, uh, no, a System 1M or a Juno or anything that's got MIDI. You know, can you do Bluetooth MIDI control of non-rolling modules? And how do you introduce Bluetooth MIDI to a machine that doesn't have Bluetooth MIDI? Is there something that you could buy to, to create a Bluetooth like transmitter, kind of like, you know, I haven't been looking for these. I don't know, maybe I'm not uh, looking in the right place. I'm looking for a, a general transmitter for MIDI that will allow you to take MIDI signals from instruments that support MIDI and put it into the Bluetooth zone. So that's something like the, the new Roland Axe could control, you know, uh, a Euro rack or control a module other than a Roland module which I know it will probably work very well with my Juno and my MX-1 and my VTO-3. It probably would work very good because those are already Roland products. I probably have that in mind. I'm more, I'm kind of interested in how it would work in the non-Roland products if it, you know, has the capability of doing that. So that's something going forward because if you think about a song like this, why, why they go that way, why they go there. Is, this song is a heavy guitar-focused song, and now I play the guitar behind my big stack and, you know, when I film uh, my shows, you see kind of like my back and I see my keyboard. I kind of focus the shot on me playing the keyboard, but more from the back and from the side. What would be cool if I get the accent is you could actually do a forward kind of sh guitar kind of like shot, which is why people like guitar players. I think why the guitar is kind of like the preeminent instrument in America is the, 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 so, yeah, the guitar hero. You know, if you look at Page and Hendrix and Clapton, all the great guitar heroes, you know, they're on the guitar. They can separate there. You can see them on stage. It's hard to, for keyboard players to get that kind of glory uh, because you're behind a big stack of sense. And you'd be like Keith Emerson was very animated and everybody could tell, you know, he really made the performance interesting. And Stevie Wonder, you know, genius. You can really make the performance interesting. You had a Bruce Hornsby, Billy Joel. So there have been piano players that can kind of, get that kind of glory. Elton John, you know, don't want to forget him. But the keytar gives you kind of like that guitar kind of presence on a stage. And if you're actually using your synth to do guitar, which the Ghost has been doing for a long time, um, that using an axe with my guitar tones and doing the solos I rip, I rip through uh, visually would be very interesting and probably get me more fans if people can see that I'm doing that. 
uh, in a more, um, uh, we would say a recognizable way or a way people are comfortable seeing somebody do that. The other backlash could be that, you know, people think, look at guitars and maybe the reason the guitar was out of, not to the forefront because people kind of look at that as being silly or they don't like it or they think, oh, you know, what's he doing? But it kind of goes back to like, what do you do with that guitar? If you just do a typical synth lead, which is cool, um, you know, people who are guitar focused aren't going to care about it as much. Uh, the electronic crowd will probably be into it. But if you're trying to branch out into that rock crowd, they're going to want to hear it sound like like a guitar. And I have not really seen a lot of keyboardists do that. And that's kind of been what my kind of um, secret sauce to what the ghost is, is I do a lot of guitar-focused music with synths. And it's because I was a you know frustrated guitar player, could never really learn how to get it. And I've been using the synths to replace that capability through the synthesizers. And so if you use a guitar in that method, then you're kind of have the fin the fans will be familiar with what that kind of looks like from having somebody with an instrument strapped onto them, you know, that it's more like what a guitar player does. And I think if you sound like a guitar player, when you're doing that rather than a keyboard player, you'll get a lot of people who will be very interested. We've had a lot of good feedback at ghost shows when people can't understand why the keyboards can sound like guitars. And that's been kind of our secret uh, appeal is that we can do that. And um, that has been something that we're really interested in. And, um, you know, it's, it's something that is, 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 is really the focus of the ghost is to show that through expansive sound, which is my description of what we do, that this expansive sound music can en encompass a lot of different concepts. And, and the concepts are, you know, doing you know, guitar type of music, synth music, multiple genres. We like to blend rock, punk, jazz, classical, all into one thing we call expansive sound. And that expansive sound, you know, it doesn't have a limitation in terms of what you can do, you know, with the music. The idea is that you can use the music to create, you know, experiences. It's kind of like a Jimi Hendrix, you know, he created the, the Jimi Hendrix experience. The idea was he was, you know, talking about sound paintings and sonic landscapes um, in that. Electric Lady, I think it was, it was described as a sound painting. And I use that all the time. And I kind of defer to Hendrix's interpretation. is like the guitar doesn't just have to be a blues instrument. It can be a very atmospheric, expressive tool. And Hendrix used his guitar like a synth in a lot of ways. He could do very expansive sounds, you know, calling in you know, like seagulls and, you know, weird space noises. And this whole idea that he was very infatuated with like Neptune and Jupiter and, you know, the solar system and psychedelic mythology. There's a lot going on, you know, time travel, space, comic, comic books, Along with the heavy blues influence, there was this kind of mysticism that included sci-fi and a lot of other things. And that's that just um, interesting to to be able to go there and since kind of go there if you choose to do that. Uh, one of the things with synthesizers, a lot of people use them. That's not a real big criticism, but they use them as background instruments to support the primary instruments of guitar, bass, and drum. And they're not really considered to be, you know, leads. 
they're more, you know, accompaniment, kind of build the sound. And it's, you know, can be done in a way that kind of minimizes the importance of what a synthesizer can be. Because I believe synthesizers, if you look at Nine Inch Nails, you look at, you know, Stevie Wonder, you look at the great synthesizer players, Keith Emerson, you bring it to the front. You bring what the synthesizers can do and you make people really pay attention. And um, and you show that it's not just a, a an instrument used for accompaniment. It can be as much of a lead as as the guitar. I think the Moog Mini Moog Model D really showed people that with the you know use of Funkadelic and Yes and Emerson Lake and Palmer, they really show that it can be a lead instrument. But that's just using it for solos, and those are monophonic synths. When you get synths like the Prophet. Profit sense, which are polyphonic, or the memory mode polyphonic, or the Jupiter 8, you get like Duran Duran and the new wave where you see a lot of the new romantics using the sense, you know, you know, Newman's cars using sense in a way that you can show they can be lead uh, and they can be set the tone. I mean, Prince was really good at doing that with uh, 1999 when Doves Cry, a lot of his Minneapolis sound is a taking funkadelic, taking rock, uh, taking jazz and experimental music like craft work and creating, you know, more accessible funk. Uh, a lot of times James Brown funk and parliament funk was, you know, very long exercises like Grateful Dead jams. And that's cool. But what Prince's genius was is to actually shorten that into, into pop songs that use that those funk techniques and using the synths and the bass lines in that way. Um, and it was brilliant. And we saw that with Sly and the Family Stone. We saw the idea of funk being more popular, being more concise. We see it with Earth, Wind, and Fire as well. Um, so, you know, he wasn't the only one to do that. But in the modern era, he was the one that kind of did it with a heavy rock focus, a Hendrixian Santana focus too, which I think I find that very interesting, very, very cool. To, to, to hear. One of the other things uh, that we're doing now, we're kind of getting to the end of this song, which is, you know, Consummate Creep, which is included in this broadcast, is um, we are accepting fan donations and support. We have indicated that, you know, that if we identify people as our fans, we will provide them with downloads of unreleased material going forward, and that will be really cool. Uh, for, for those people, we will give them alternate versions, give people demos before they're fully released on our Landar system. Uh, and so if we get supporters at any level right now, we will provide them with, if they provide an email address or a way to contact them on social media, we'll provide them with download information <clears throat> that they can take uh, the WAV files and they can get the MP3s directly sent to them. And that would be, um, I think, pretty cool for people if they're into us uh, to be able to get that kind of stuff. We have multiple delivery method methods for that. Um, and so, you know, if, if you have an email address, we'll be able to give you that through a Google Drive link. We could give it to you through other ways of doing it. Um, and so it will be, you know, a way to support the ghost and not just support us and not get anything. You can actually get material so our voice is going a little bit so we're gonna we're gonna end this now and we'll talk to you tonight um 
or you can hear us tonight. We're going to talk to Kendra Erica, um, top 10 billboard artist. We talked to her previously on um, Spearman. It's our second interview. It's our first interview on Anchor, and we'll be talking to her tonight. Thanks.